All right. Hey, everyone. How are you going? Uh, it's great, great to be here. Welcome if you're online or in the other room. Hello. Uh, I'm Punchy. I'm one of the ministers here. It's my privilege to be able to go through this next Psalm 104. And so I'm going to pray for us and then we'll jump into it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks so much for church. Thank you for the privilege and the freedom and the opportunity we have to be able to gather together. Thanks, Lord, for speaking to us through your word. Thank you, Father, for revealing yourself to us through your word and through creation. And we pray tonight, particularly as we reflect on this part of your word and reflect on creation, Lord, that you would please reveal yourself to us. Father, would your spirit would be, be at work in me and in each one of us. We, we long to hear your voice. We long to know you more clearly. We, want, we long to see you at work in the world around us. And Lord, as we do that, would you please move our hearts to praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it was just after midnight. And Tara and I were about to board a plane, which right now, that feels like a bit of a novelty in itself, doesn't it? Boarding a plane. Uh, but what's truly special, we were about to board a plane in Finland. And uh, it was just after midnight, and the sun was just starting to set, and it was incredible. We'd spent two weeks in Estonia visiting Tara's family, and it was their summer. And one thing I, like about, I love about our summer is longer days, more sun, Sarah mentioned in her prayer. But over there, well, it never really gets dark, not properly. There's just this blue glow that fills the night sky. And to get home, uh, we travelled a little further north to then what we discovered is known as the land of the midnight sun. And so as our plane was taking off, just after midnight, we looked out over the wing towards the horizon to see the sun setting. And it was incredible. It was one of those moments you can just sit in forever and just soak up all the glory, the wonder, the beauty of it. And I'm sure you've had your own experience. Right, soaking up something spectacular. Psalm 104 is a poet's reflection on creation. Why is it that the setting sun can warm the soul? Why is it that sitting by the ocean, just looking out across the water, just being still, taking in those deep breaths, why is it that that can revive the soul? Well, it's because all that beauty, all the wonder we see in the world around us, it speaks to us, right? A breathtaking sunset, a vast landscape, an awesome mountaintop, it speaks to us about God. Creation declares the glory of God. We see its beauty, we see its extravagance, we see its wonder, and our hearts and our minds are turned to God to know Him, and to praise Him. Psalm 104 begins, praise the Lord my soul. You might remember, it's exactly the same way we started last week. This psalm, it begins with a bit of self-talk, the head counselling the heart. Right? The psalmist wants to inform his head to then move his heart to praise God, to well up with that tidal wave of praise. And this week, it is see God. 
It's sea god in the endless sky, the midnight sun, the crashing waves, the singing birds, the prowling lions in bread and wine, light and dark, night and day. This psalm, it really has so much of us, has so much for us to see of God. It's actually kind of overwhelming how much is in there. And so I'm going to keep it just to four observations. We're going to see uh, God's glorious majesty, His intimate care, His joy-filled creativity and His loving commitment. So that's where we're heading. And all of that, the aim of all of that is to lead us into praise. So let's begin. First, His glorious majesty. Verse 1, praise the Lord my soul. Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. When you think about God's greatness, it's kind of hard to grasp, isn't it? How do, you, how do you put it in words? How do you describe the indescribable? How do you make visible the invisible? It's tough, which is why the psalm puts it in terms we understand so that we can see. You know when you're swimming in the ocean and eventually you feel the chill and you can't wait to wrap a nice warm towel around you? Well, what we do with a towel, God does with the heavens. Verse 2, the Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent. You know when you walk up the top of a hilltop and you can have those uninterrupted views to the north, to the south, east to west, for as far as the eye can see, stretching on seemingly forever? Well, if you can capture that kind of image in your mind now, such is the immensity of God that when he wraps a garment around him, It's like he stretches out to the ends of the earth, the ends of the heavens, and then pulls them in around him. He's that great. He wraps himself in light. He stretches out the heavens like a tent. And the picture language continues. Verse 3, he rides the winds, he makes the clouds, his chariot, the winds, his messengers, the flames, his servant. What we're seeing here is God robed in light, enthroned in majesty, transcendent, glorious, powerful. And with all that power and majesty, what does he do? He brings stability. Verse 5, he set the earth on its foundations, it can never be moved. You covered it with watery depths, with watery depths as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains, but at your rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took flight. They flowed over the mountains, they went down into the valleys to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross, never again will they cover the earth. Now, why is this important? Well, for the psalmist, in their day, if you weren't a Jew, it's likely you would have worshipped a whole host of gods who were typically in competition with one another. If you made an offering... Well, how could you be sure it went to the right God? If you made a sacrifice, how could you trust that the gods were even listening and not busy with their own games? It was, for that reason, a world of uncertainty and fear. No order, no control, because the gods are fighting for control. For the person in that case, searching for stability and safety in the midst of life's uncertainties, well, these words here offer us security, right? Yahweh, the Lord God of Israel, 
He set the earth on its foundations. By his word, the waters fled. By his command, the chaos was made calm. This is a sovereign God who brings order and stability. In him, you can find peace for the fearful, security for the overwhelmed. He can be trusted. Right? And not only because he's high and lifted up in majesty, but also he is intimate and involved in his care, which leads us to our next observation, his intimate care, verse 10. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Now, in the past month or so, we've We've had a lot of stormy weather, haven't we? And I wonder, as you've been listening to the thunder, seeing the lightning, heard the rain, have you ever thought, I wonder how the wild donkeys are going tonight? <laughs> right? I can't say, I've ever been washing up, looking out the back window and said to Tara, hey Tara, how do you reckon the wild donkeys are going out there? Right? I've never said it because it's never crossed my mind and perhaps I shouldn't admit it but I don't care enough about the wild donkeys to think, I wonder how they're going out there. Right? I don't care, but God does. And that's the point. Even the wild donkeys he cares for. They are his creation. They might not matter to me, but they matter to him. So he will make the springs pour forth water, flowing down the mountains to quench their thirst. And not just the wild donkeys, verse 18, wild goats, or hot, and the hyrax, which is a form of rock badger, I looked up. Verse 12, birds, 21, lions. Verse 14, he makes grass for the cattle. Did you ever think, why is it that cows eat grass and not gold? Imagine if cows ate gold, right? It'd be a completely different world. But it isn't because God, in his infinite wisdom, created a world with grass for cows that eat grass, just as he did hay for horses, honey for bees, which I did check, bees make honey but they also eat it, flies for frogs, anyway at times we wish there were more frogs around, get rid of those flies, uh, eucalyptus leaves for koalas, right, from the least to the greatest, they are his, they matter to him, he created them, he cares for them, and so he will provide for them. And if that's how much God feeds the birds of the air and clothes the flowers of the field, how much more you and I? What we see in creation is a God who is intimate and involved. Uh, he's not distant, detached, indifferent, but deeply concerned for the needs of his creation. Which leads to our next observation, when you begin to consider the vast array of all that God has made, well, you see his joy-filled creativity. Verse 24, how many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures, there is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. A while ago, I went down to Coalcliffe Ocean Rock Pool for a swim. And as I was getting in, an elderly woman was getting out. 
and she smiled and said, the sea cows are having a good time. And I was like, and I looked up and I looked in the pool at the few other elderly women in there and thought, sea cows, does she mean them? What am I supposed to say to that? Yeah, those cows are having a good time. Well, it turns out she was talking about these little guys, which I'd never seen before, but on this day, there were hundreds of them in the pool. And I don't know how they got there, but in the following weeks, I figured out what she meant. They were enjoying all the moss and weed because the pool got cleaner and cleaner as the sea cows grazed in the grasses of the pool. Uh, Who knew? Sea slugs, God's great pool cleaner. Did you know there's more than 2,000 species of sea slug? Right? Actually, there's 2,000 known species of sea slug, which means there's probably sea slugs sitting on the bottom of an ocean somewhere, which no one has ever seen. And God designed each one of them uniquely. Which makes you wonder why. Why why did God make more than 2,000 known species of sea slug? Some no one will ever see. Seems a bit over the top, doesn't it? A bit extravagant. Well, not for God. As the psalm says, there's the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number. Beyond number. Now, I think it's possible, in fact, I think it's often that we limit God. We bring him down on our level, onto our terms, so we can understand him and grasp him and kind of have him in this box. But when we do that, well, we we don't truly see God or know God for who he is. And we miss out on those moments of childlike awe when you get a glimpse of his glory. Just think, if there's more than 2,000 known species of sea slugs, imagine all the species of all the sea creatures in all the oceans around the world. Right? From the microscopic to the massive, from the dolphins, the blue bottles, the things we've all seen, to the ones no one's ever seen because we're yet to explore the depths of the deepest oceans. Right? There's got to be millions. Who, who could come up with all of that? Think of the mind that would create all of that. And each and every single one of those creatures was uniquely and purposefully and specifically and lovingly designed by God. And we're talking about the sea. What about the land and the sky? Don't try and wrap your head around it, just be blown away. Our God is so great. It is incredible. We, We see in creation this immense creativity. What a God. And it's a he's a joyful God. Because look at verse 26. Still on the sea, there the ships go to and fro, and Leviathan, which you form to frolic there. You know, in ancient times, sailors would return home with tales of these monstrous sea creatures. And Leviathan was the name given to these mythical-like creatures. 
and perhaps they were like, it was like a giant squid or a, a blue whale, we don't know, but for man, they were creatures to be feared, for God, they were to be enjoyed. Why did God make the Leviathan? Why did God make the whales? To frolic, to play, to enjoy. Why is it that a 30,000 kilogram humpback whale can jump fully out of the water? So God can say, hey, did you see that? That's my whale. I made it. Right? This is a God we see in creation who is full of joy, who delights in what he's made and takes pleasure in seeing his creatures enjoy his creation. The psalmist has painted such a rich and full picture of God right? and it'd be nice to leave it there. But I wonder if you've been realising that this doesn't quite reflect the full reality of the world we live in because it is a creation stained by sin. Verse 36, but may sinners, sorry, verse 35, but may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. In Genesis, that's where we've been getting all this language of creation, we learn there God created humanity in his image to reflect his glory and enjoy his goodness and God gave us purpose and responsibility and freedom and with that freedom we chose rebellion. We rejected God's rule to make our own. But when you cut yourself off from the one who created you and gave you life, inevitably there are consequences. Verse 27, all creatures look to you to give them food, their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. Instead of the life we were created for, we now live under the shadow of death. Right? And even though we chose to turn on God, sever our relationship with Him, and even though God had every right to leave us to our own self-destruction and death, He didn't. Which brings us to our final observation, His loving commitment to His creation. From the moment of our rejection, we learn of God's plan for redemption, the restoration of humanity, the renewal of creation. You know, this psalm helps us see God in creation, his glorious majesty, his intimate care, his joy-filled creativity, his loving commitment. But we see all of it most clearly in his son, Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible who left the glory and perfection of heaven to come to us. Taking on flesh, entering into his creation, a creation stained by our sin. Sin that he came to bear to then face death and judgment in our place so that by faith in him we might be made new a new creation, restored in his image, robed in his righteousness, filled with his spirit, empowered to be the people we're created to be and assured of life forever in him. 
good news. And so now we wait with the whole of creation. We, we groan inwardly as we eagerly await his return, Jesus Christ, and the final redemption of our bodies, the renewal of all things, a new heaven and a new earth, where there will be no more sickness, suffering, disease or death. We'll enter into the life we were created to, to live with our God forever. He's not just our creator, but he is our saviour. And he is worthy of all praise, which is what this psalm leads us into. Uh, the psalm invites us to open up our eyes and to see the glory and the wonder all around us and to praise the one who made it. And so to finish, I, I want to give us an opportunity to participate in this psalm. In a minute, we're going to play a short video. Uh, with a, it, It's basically time lapses of the night sky, sunset, the mountaintop, riverbeds, that kind of thing. And as the video plays, just enjoy it. Just soak it up, the images. I think too often we're stuck to our screens, we're distracted, we're running from one thing to the next. Rarely do we stop just to notice the glory all around us and let our hearts be moved to, to have this wonder and awe of the one who created it all. And so use this time now to be still. Let your mind turn to God. Let what you see on the screens move your heart to praise him. You know, if you see, if a night sky speaks to you in this video of wonder and glory and majesty, remember it is speaking of God's wonder, his glory, his majesty. That is what you're seeing. If, it if a riverbed speaks to you of intimacy and care, the one who's involved, it is his intimacy, his care. It is his hand over what he has made. So as the video comes on, just take some deep breaths, still your heart, clear your mind, and let the beauty of his creation move your heart to delight in him. Enjoy him and praise him.